Captain's Log, Stardate 74731.1 Preparing my report to Starfleet Command has reminded me of the significance of first contact and the ideals our organization represents. To that end, I find myself in a place of reflection. Incoming transmission. Well, hey everyone, and welcome to a new episode of These Are the Voyages. Um, if you haven't noticed, we've been having a, um, a good amount of content that's been coming out the last several days. Um, and if you're listening to this in the future, well, then it's already out. So there you go. Uh, we, as as we talk about in this episode, we um, we really wanted to highlight the importance of first contact within Star Trek itself. And uh, first contact for uh, for anyone that might not be familiar with it, you know, this is your first foray into into Star Trek. First contact is it's just that it's it's the first contact that you have with an alien race, uh, an alien species. And there have been some really good moments. There have been some not so good moments uh, with within like the first contact experiences. And I think there are some ones that are in the public conscience, so to speak. Um, like if you're not really a Star Trek fan, like you might see Star Trek first contact and and that might be it. Uh, you might only think of alien species and relationships and things of that nature as it relates to Spock. Um, so something to keep in mind, right? As we, um, as we keep moseying on, so to speak. So, uh, we have a lot of content that, uh, we were wanting to cover. So, um, with that, this is going to be the first installment for um, this particular episode. Uh, so we have uh, we have the first part where we're going to go through a list of uh, some first contact missions that we just thought were worth talking about, that were worth exploring. Uh, we're going to boldly go and, and we're going to talk about it. And then um, in a couple days, we'll have part two that is coming out. So something to look forward to. Uh, we tried to, I tried to, you know, evenly space this as much as I could so that you're not listening forever and a half, um, and stuff. There's a lot of really long podcasts out there and I know we can be long winded and pretty verbose at times. Uh, but, uh, anyways, I hope y'all are able to enjoy this, um, installment of, um, first contact missions. So, um, that's it. Um, happy first contact day, week, month, uh, for the month of April here in 2021. We are only 42 years away from actual first contact happening, knock on wood. So uh, with that, enjoy. This episode of These Are The Voyages is brought to you by David Fogel. Thank you. Well, hey everyone, welcome to uh, an, an episode. That's what I think what we, we do these, we do episodes on podcasts. So welcome to um, another installment of These Are The Voyages. I'm the captain, I'm Captain Chase McKinney still. I did not die or get 
blown to smithereens or get into an unfortunate schmelt, I mean, transporter accident. Um, back to tell the story of whatever story we're going to talk about tonight, today, tomorrow, whenever you're listening, it doesn't really matter. Um, we're coming to you. We are recording on First Contact Day 2021. That is April 5th. For any of my new Star Trek peeps out there in listener land, April 5th is a glorious holy day when it comes to Star Trek. Uh, Star, uh, first contact between humans and Vulcans will take place April 5th, 2063. Uh, please see uh, First Contact 1996, directed by Jonathan Frakes, for a further elaboration of that. Um, I am joined by my trusty number one, Lieutenant Commander Eric. What's up, dude? Fun day, first contact day, 40, 42 years from now, right? Do you think do you think we'll be there? Do you think you'll be there? I mean, I don't know if I'll be in Bozeman, but I mean, I would hope. Well, I, I mean, I'd hope I'd be alive. Listen, if I, if if I'm alive, right? I, what like forty two years from now, I'll be seventy six, right? Yeah. I think I think I might make the trek to Bozeman. That'd be fun. You think so? Yeah. That yeah, would, that'd be fun. That'd be Wouldn't kind I? of fun. Yeah, that'd be fun. I mean, I mean, if I remember, like, right. I mean, I can only imagine, like, if if we just like kind of look ahead, and we're like, I mean, do you think there? No, there wouldn't be transporters by then. That'd be great. Um, but like, we could probably get like on a bullet train. Like, bullet trains are are becoming more and more of a thing. Believe it or not. So for all we know, we could have like a hyper connected rail system. You know, because. Friggin' Zeph from Cochran, he takes trains, of course. So he does he takes trains? He yep. takes trains. He hates flying. So maybe we could take he a bullet. Tra- <laughs> we could take a bullet train to Bozeman, Montana, with our prune juice, our Ben Gay, and our Metamucil, and we could wait and l- and see what happens that night. I mean, there's there's no specific time that's actually referenced, but we can just wait. We have no, like, but it's definitely definitely night definitely nighttime though. We can Eric, you and I, we can glamp. Okay, so you bring like we can get like a pop up. We can rent an RV or something. <laughs> oh, glampers, glampers! No, those you're not camping. <laughs> Glamping is not real. God, like I could go camping. Like legit camping with the stuff in the trunk of my car right now. I got a blanket, a flashlight, set of matches, and a knife. That's all <laughs> you need to go camping. Pick up some water and some beef jerky on your way. You're good. There you go. There you go. Well, we are. We have one heck of a show um, planned for for all y'all today uh, that are listening to us. Uh, with this being the 25th anniversary of Star Trek First Contact um, and coincidentally also the 55th anniversary so to speak of or the 55th year really of Star Trek we thought we would talk about some First Contact moments um, 20, we're going to talk about 25 First Contact moments that we just like that kind of just stand out to us for whatever reason. Some serious, some not so serious. And 
I'm not going to say that it's not going to be a certain amount of time because anytime I say that, I let myself down and I go way over. So we're hoping and praying that this is not going to be a six hour podcast episode. So there you go. I said it there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, I can tend to be verbose, especially when I get going talking about something I'm interested in. But yeah, well, 25 episodes, is a lot to talk about. So we're going to try to brief. Right. Right. We're going to try and keep it as, as minimal as possible. I mean, like, even if we gave every stinking episode, like, the treatment, right? Like, we would be here forever. We would be here forever. So, um, to respect that, and, I mean, I know there are people that listen that probably, you know, you have a lot of windshield time, so you would love it. But for anyone else that's not, you know, having a lot of windshield time, we're, we're, we're here for you guys, too. So, uh, but before we do that... Um, you know, with today being, you know, we're recording on first contact day and, um, I actually recorded an episode of uh, TRTV news that'll be dropping here. It will have already dropped by the time you're listening to this. So, um, this might be a retread of some things, but, uh, Paramount plus and, uh, Star Trek, they, they partnered together uh, more or less to um, put on like a virtual panel of sorts. And there was a bunch of stuff that was dropped, a bunch of stuff that was dropped uh, during the event. And uh, some of it, I mean, we got, we got some information on when shows are going to be airing for the most part, or at least a time frame of when they could be airing. Uh, One of which we have a very specific time frame, which is good. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Eric and I, we were kind of talking about it briefly before the show, but uh, what are you thinking about all this Trek that's going to be coming out in 21 and 22 now also? Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot I mean, of, some of it. Trek. Some of it I'm interested in. Some of it I'm interested in seeing. Like, I am looking forward to the return of Captain Janeway in or Admiral Janeway. Um, she's not Captain Janeway anymore, but she'll always be a captain in my heart. So I'm looking forward to that, what the, what that looks like, um, her return. Um, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing Riker some more, right? Because yeah. we know that our main character of Lower Decks is now on Riker's ship, so that's got to be more Riker. Yep. And um, the, the, tr- the little teaser for Picard you know the return of q right i mean i i I feel like chase we were talking about this i call i i said i think this is something that needs to happen like we need to revisit the trial and like the trial never ended and i said that over a year ago when when picard season one was airing and now here we see that that's actually kind of what could potentially be happening so i think that's kind of interesting yeah i'm looking forward to that very much yeah, and we'll we'll have to do like a whether it's a regular episode, it's a minisode, or, or or whatever, where you know it's me and you, or maybe me and David, or something like that, where we kind of just talk about like upcoming Trek, like not an engage episode, of course, but like we just kind of give our own thoughts and ideas about all this like info dump that we had from all these these panels today. So, <clears throat> uh, it, 
the there were what were the moments like the the Picard season two teaser that was definitely like a goosebump kind of moment for me as I'm going through and I'm hearing him talk about time and I can just I can't remember was it you or was it David that's like I hate time travel stories was that David David. okay so David you're not going to like this you're not going to like it because it's probably going to be a time travel thing and um, like I was saying in the TRTV news thing I just hope and pray that this that season two of Picard you know with with Cube being back in the mix of course we know nothing this was announced like right now like this was just announced like with Q coming back I'm just hoping and praying that it's not a retread of tapestry in any way like I just I don't want like a choose a different thing type of thing you know what I'm saying like I just I tapestry's yeah. good like we don't need a tapestry too Tapestry is fantastic, right? Obviously, go back into the history of this podcast and you'll see how I think about Tapestry. Um, But yeah, I I don't think I want... I don't think I want to see that redone. Right. Yeah, let's let's leave it alone. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Yeah. But... uh, So yeah, we got that. And then, of course, we have um, Janeway, uh, who's going to be a hologram. Like it, she's gonna be in her. Oh Star- really? I didn't hear anything about it. I just I just saw like the the image. I didn't hear yep. anything about it. Yep. Yeah. So it's she's, not actually Janeway. It's Captain. J- it's Captain Janeway as a training hologram is kind of what it is right now. So we'll see. We'll That's see. That's disappointing. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, it's Janeway. You know, there's the Janeway. right way. There's yeah. the right way, and then there's the Janeway. I mean. Yes, there's the Jane way. <laughs> there is no wrong way. There's the right way and the Jane way. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, we're, we'll have plenty of, of more developments um, coming probably down the pike. So, um, And there hasn't been a release date yet um, or a projected release date even for uh, Strange New Worlds yet that I'm aware of. I haven't heard anything. So I'm assuming that's probably going to be a 2022 uh, type of thing. That's that's what I would expect. Is like 22. They've got those. They've got those commercials going up Paramount Mountain. That's right. And we dance. I gotta say, those things really, really kind of piss me off. Like, I mean, <laughs> putting Patrick Stewart on a commercial with Snooki is just disrespectful, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> what about just the Paw Patrol? Straight up disrespectful to the. What? What about the Paw Patrol though? I mean, he's on there. He's I, up. I, I've only seen like one or two of them, and it was like Patrick Stewart and Snooky. I was like, that's just wrong, <laughs> wrong. <laughs> like, do you think Patrick Stewart has any idea who Snooky is? No. 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 <laughs> no. No. Of course not. No way, Jose. No. He's not gonna know who them who them folks is, and. Uh, Anyway, oh well. Apart from first contact day, I know that we do have a lot of stuff uh, going that we need to talk about uh, for this episode. Uh, we need to get to it eventually, but it's just like the listeners. It's been quite a while since I've I've like really talked or interacted with pretty much anyone. Like 
after February, it was just like, so how the heck have you been, man? I've been, I've been good. I'm, uh, I'm trying to sell my house here, you know, so I, I had to do some work around here. I got some new paint, some new carpet, um, gotta do some work around the outside of it, you know, just hopefully things will help sell my house here. You, you know, go do some painting. You let you, Eric loves painting. Not, uh, oh <laughs> I heard you're opening up your own painting business. Yeah, if that happens, like <laughs> something's wrong. Like a like a alien parasite has taken over, like taken me over, and you need to like send help. Save me. <laughs> oh lordy. Well, I'm glad that that you know we're we're back, uh, chit chatting about Trek, and uh, you know making more content regardless regardless of who listens out there. Thank you for listening. Hey, hey! If, if all I got, if all I get out of this is to talk to to you, my friend, and talk Trek with somebody, that's enough for me. Man, you were way too gracious, but likewise, my man. Well, anyway, let's let's talk Trek. Let's actually talk Trek for once. Um, not that we haven't been talking Trek, you know, with First Contact Day. Um, so we, so. <clears throat> like I was teasing earlier, Eric and I, we were um, talking recently, and I pitched an idea to him, and I was like, hey, 25th anniversary, let's talk about some, tw- let's talk about some first contact missions. Um, so we made our list, and this time we did consult each other, otherwise it would just have been a giant cluster. That's for dang sure. And there was quite a bit of overlap with um, the pair of us and um, in fact we had 15 um, total that we were in agreement on and it was just the final 10 that we were just like yeah let's just go with whatever so we just we we, we agreed on 15 and then we basically did five apiece is really what it boiled down to I kind of stole one of his so I mean technically it's 6-4 but it is what it is um so the way we're going to do about this, there's there's a couple of ways that we could go about talking about first contact missions. I mean, there's obviously like the chronological approach, which we could do. Uh, that's a little predictable, though. Uh, we could just do it by show, like we, we'll talk. Like we could just talk all of uh, original series. We could talk all of next generation series, like in terms of the episodes we selected. But just to keep keep y'all on your toes and see if y'all are paying attention what we decided was after we compiled our list and this will make sense as we start going along so try not to get too bogged down with what i'm describing but what we we decided was we're just going to go like tos tng deep space nine voyager um enterprise um now because there's not as much in terms of uh, like first contact missions with like um, like discovery or with uh, lower decks uh, we did include those to a certain extent but they didn't make the cut is what I'm getting at so it was pri- it was primarily like the like up to 2005 really that we were we were zeroed in on so um, 
there these are like in no particular order we just made a master list and then I started like copying and pasting them in like a random freaking order um, there's only one there's only one that was intentionally placed in the position that it is and that'll become apparent much later on in the show um, so with that uh, we will just we'll just kind of talk and just go from there I feel like I've been rambling already too much so um, there were some Eric that you had told me about that you're like I will fight you like I will go straight up like Kirk bazooka in arena like death squad on you if these are not included and that being said our first one is one of those so um, if I'm not mistaken so um, again first contact missions so these are either very important to the show or they hold some kind of sentimental value they're lighthearted they're serious but something that informs us about the importance of first contact missions essentially and the first one was um, the first federation uh, in the episode Corbomite Maneuver so tell us tell yeah, us about I that would, one I would straight up fight you if we left this off the list like this this you cannot leave this episode off any list as far as I'm concerned like this like best episodes favorite episodes best first contacts like this it just has to be there. It is an amazing episode. I am shocked that more people don't consider this one of like the the better episodes because it is amazing and I love it. And I think this is the episode that I would tell people like if you want to understand what Star Trek is about, go watch the Corvo maneuver because sure. we've got we've got a first contact with an alien race that's more more powerful than we are, right? The alien race that like doesn't want us there and and like a lot of people we, we talked we talked about this on our definitive kirk episode like months ago right mm -hmm. and i said a lot of people just think james kirk space cowboy shoot first ask questions later but he does everything he can to like not escalate the situation and like there's that one lieutenant who is like always like let's just shoot it and kirk's like uh, this is not a democracy. I'm in charge here. We're not <laughs> shooting until, like, I say we're shooting. Right. Now, this... this and, then, and then, like... I was just going to point out something. Just, like, some random thing. Because, like... Um, I mean, people know Ron Howard. And, I, and please hold on to your thought. Um, but it was his brother, Clint, I believe... Um, that plays, um, is it Baylock? Is that what it is? Baylock, yeah. Yeah, Baylock in this episode. So, um, you folks know who Clint, Ron Howard is, and I would hope most, a lot of people know who Clint Howard is. I mean, he pops up every now and again in movies all over the place, but I'm pretty sure this was his first breakout role for the most part and wildly popular. Well, he it's was like, like six or seven years yeah, old or something like that. Yeah. Exactly. But still, I mean, like, this was like the thing, like, it's like cult, like, level status, like, this particular episode. Like, whenever I see, like, a tiny little child, I'm like, oh, yeah, definitely Star Trek. Anyway, that was just a tangent. Yeah, I, I think, I think, um, Ron Howard is definitely, like, I think people will instantly recognize Ron mm -hmm. Howard. Oh, that's Ron Howard, right? 
And then even like Ron Howard's daughter, Bryce Dallas Howard, I think a lot of people are recognizing, will recognize her like nowadays. But like Clint Howard, I think is totally like a, a that guy. That guy, I know that guy. I know like, that guy. When you see him, you're like, I know that guy. You don't know who he is, but you totally recognize him. And I think right. Clint Howard is definitely a that guy. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because like in this episode, we get like a a view screen pop up, and it's like a an alien look, like a gray alien looking thing, and. And it's like, ooh, it's supposed to be scary. And then later we find out that's just like a, a puppet, whatever. And, mm-hmm. and like Balak is concealing himself. And he's like, oh, I had to, I had to know, like, if I could trust you first before I revealed myself and, and brought you along to my ship. So then at the end, let's get to know each other and let's like build a friendship and build a relationship here. Like, I don't want to be an adversary to you. And I think that's just like Star Trek at its core. Right. And I think, um, like, even with this particular episode, you know, like, with one of the, the buoys or, or whatever kind of just being knocked out of place, and that's kind of like the thing that kind of <clears throat> causes a lot of the issues, just the fact that Star Trek at its core is about sitting down and talking with people. And I think this is a great example of like early on like this is like early dna right of star trek like sit down talk to each other and um and it, it just the fact that it could have been so much worse and we have so much worse type first contact missions that we're actually gonna highlight in this list but it but it turned out really well and just hmm. good all around yeah, and, and like you say very early on, I think this was episode like 11 that might have been aired, something like that. But it was the first episode produced after the pilot. So, you know, they made The Cage, which didn't get picked up, and they made Where No Man Has Gone Before, which did get picked up. And then like a year later, when they actually went into production on the show, the very first episode they filmed was The Court of My Maneuver. So I think that tells you how important it is to the to the story of Star Trek. For sure. For sure. Well, as much as I would love to keep camping out, we got to move. You do. <laughs> we got to move. So the the next one that um is is kind of interesting is the big bad of the next generation. Or at least what was intended to be intended to be the big bad. The main villain for the next generation was supposed to be the Ferengi. So we're talking about the last outpost with their swatch band little laser whip things. Like, I just can't stop. I can't not think of a swatch. I mean, I'm probably dating myself on a swatch. Do people still know what swatches are? Slap, those slap bracelets. That's, right? Yeah, that's what I'm talking like, about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, that's what oh, I'm talking about. Okay, I didn't know those were called swatches. Okay. I mean, they, I don't know. Well, slap bracelets, swatches. I, I mean, do people. Stra- slap bracelets. That's exactly what I was thinking of, yeah. Like, do people even know what those are anymore? That's I mean, right. is it just like us 80s and 90s kids that know what that is? I think it's us early 90s kids. Dang, we're old. We're getting there. We're getting there. I know. <sighs> well. So the Ferengi, last outpost, right? So weird, weird stuff. Like they, Ferengi were supposed to come off as very 
um, menacing and conniving um, in the next generation, but they just came off as like kind of comical and kind of a joke um, apart from kind of how the episode itself panned out. Um, and of course we see more development with the Ferengi, you know, later on to an extent in, in next generation or in next generation, but much more so in deep space nine. Um, tell me what's, what do you like about the last outpost in terms of like first contact for the Ferengi? Well, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Armin Shimmerman play one of the three, mm-hmm. the three Ferengi in this episode, right? That's Armin correct. Shimmer, who was obviously Korg, right? Um, I think one of the things that's interesting in this is that um, we're chasing down this Ferengi ship or whatever, and we get caught in some energy field, whatever, draining field, and and Picard thinks it's the Ferengi that are doing this, and then the Ferengi think it's it's. Um, they're caught in it as well, and they think it's the Enterprise that's doing it. So there's like this standoff, right? Where they're like both sides are trying to figure out like why the other side has done this and and what they can do to maneuver out of it. Before we learn eventually that I haven't seen this episode in a while, so we learn that there's some alien on the planet. Some that I, I forget the ending, but like I definitely remember that both sides think the other one is responsible at first. Right. It's very much um, an episode of its time. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, we got to think this was a season one ep- episode of Next Gen, if I'm not mistaken, right? I think this is like episode four or five. Yeah. It was like really early on. So, yeah, this is, I mean, this is late, late 1987. So it's still kind of in that Cold War kind of kind of era where they're like who done it like you're it's you're 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 constantly accusing the other person but you're not you know looking beyond that really that's kind of a stretch but i know but um but again we go back to the shut up sit down and talk type of thing that i think is like really at the heart of a lot of first contact i mean every first contact mission um and it's just making a case even for the ones that are kind of goofy like the ones that are supposed to be your big bad, but and, and Eric, you've pointed that. I mean, you've to, you've pointed this out to me umpteen million times that the Ferengi are more like us now in the twentieth and twenty first century than how we are in the twenty third and twenty fourth centuries. Of course. So, oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I think I think of all of the races in Star Trek, the one that is most like current humans is the Ferengi. Mm-hmm. You know, on um, on the first contact day um, stuff, they were airing like different first contact missions, and they actually were airing uh, the first one they aired for the day was Little Green Men, so like the little Roswell episode mm-hmm. of Deep Space Nine. So that was yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's a fun episode. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's a fun episode, right? Absolutely. But um, I like I like what we do. You know, I like you know all. I'm not going to say all, but a good many of these, we get to see a lot of development as a result of our first meetings, our first contact with them. Um, of course, like I w I'm not going to say Ferengi are like one of the main aliens of Star Trek, but they're kind of up there. Um, and just 
we get to see like where they started in last outpost to where they are at the time of what you leave behind um, and how much they as a culture as a society have changed it's, it's just really cool so uh, just keep this stuff in mind um, now yeah, you got to, you got to trace them for like 12 years or something like that yeah 12 13 years yeah because ds9 series finale was in may and, of 99 like 99 yeah yeah dang well we're moving on to um star trek voyager and we're looking at the the series premiere right caretaker and this is where we might be cheating a little bit on this one um but this was a big mission that really set the stage for all the things with with Voyager, you know, like boom, now they're on the other side of the Delta Quadrant. Hey, we're also meeting a bunch of brand new aliens that we had no idea existed. And uh, with that, we have the Talaxians, the Ocompans, and the Kazon. So, um, Talaxians, I mean, that's like Neelix, the, the hairy dude that makes weird food on the ship that we later find out. Um, Kess is the weird chick with a pixie cut that can do weird mind. She can shoot mind bullets like, you know, Tenacious D type of thing. And uh, the Kazon, they're the ones with like really big sticky uppy hair. And they like to shoot things. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is a, I, I like this episode. I, I'm, you know, I mean, obviously, I'm a big Voyager. I know fan. you're. I, yeah. I do like the. I, I think as far as like, pilot episodes go, this is. I think this might be the best pilot episode of of any of the Star Trek shows. Really, like, honestly, even compared to Emissary, I think it's a better episode. I, it's a better episode than Encounter at Farpoint. I think it's a better episode than Broken Bow. It's better than like Battle of the Binary Stars, Vulcan Hello, any of that. Uh, way better than Second Contact. Did you say that out loud? <laughs> I did. I did say that out loud. Um, uh, yeah, I think this might be the best pilot episode. Honestly, it, it, it's it's it comes as like a fully formed show. I think it knew what it was basically right away. Whereas some of the other shows, maybe they didn't. Um, and yeah, we get we get the entire the entire premise here. We meet we meet you know first person we meet is Neelix, and he's just like a scavenger guy and then he like um basically tricks voyager into hey i can go help you but i'm really only interested in helping save my girlfriend from this planet and then we meet Kess, and then we make an enemy of the kazon who the kazon were the big bad of voyager for the first two seasons and Mm -hmm. as ridiculous as people the kazon might be and as how much people probably don't like the kazon you can't talk about voyager without talking about the kazon right Right. And I think um, the Kazon, correct me if I'm wrong, Eric, but they were originally like the stand in for like the L.A. gang riots of the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, or, or Michael the, Pillar, um, he he said Michael Pillar, our showrunner on, on Voyager, at least in the beginning, um, he was he said that they patterned them after like the Bloods and the Crips. Like they each had their own territory, and they would get into like fights over territory and resources. Mm-hmm. And like I think, you know, L.A. street gangs in the mid '90s was like a, a thing that was more on the public conscience than it is now. 
Absolutely. I'd agree with that, too. Yeah, and... I didn't... I mean... This might be a slightly unpopular opinion. I know you like Voyager, so I know I'm an okay company saying this. It's the safe space. But um, I don't I don't have an issue with Kess. Like, I enjoyed the character of Kess. Um, I, I enjoyed the fact that... Um, she was like her character was used to really help the EMH doctor, the doctor grow and develop um, as his own individual. Um, gave like she respected him and whatnot. And of course, we're not talking about the doctor in this episode necessarily, but just the fact that we got to meet a new character, a new alien species, like with all these weird, weirdly cool powers and abilities that we hadn't really seen before. And then we kind of saw this development up to a point, and then, like, her return was just kind of weird a little later on, because it seemed like it kind of almost retconned her departure um, in in and around, like, the Scorpion time frame. So, but that, that's yeah, a conversation well, I, for a different I, day, I, I think. I, yeah, yeah, I think... There's a conversation to be had there with the the Kess Returns episode. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's really the only Okampan we see other than one episode later in in season two, mm-hmm. which I think is a definitely an interesting episode as well, that cold fire. Mm-hmm. But, like, the, the Talaxians, like, we kind of hear and see some stuff, like, every now and again, but, like, we really don't get much more of, like, the Talaxian stuff until like the very end of Voyager like when Voyager is about well, to I mean there's like you know toward the end of season 2 um um uh when the Kazon like are upping their attacks on Voyager I think the Janeway makes an alliance and says the Talaxians will come help Voyager fight off the Kazon as long as they're like in the same generic region of space I'm sorry forgive me what I was saying like we 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 have them up to a point and then it's just kind of like much later on we finally come back to like Talaxian stuff that's what i was getting at but yeah i i know sure yeah, i know what you yeah, mean yeah yeah um but i i i like how to your point like with caretaker um i i think it's a great episode i think the the photo- the photography is well done in this in in this particular episode and just how well it plants the seeds for all the things to to grow and blossom Um, especially i mean even though the kazon are like a two season baddie you know like it's still very well done Um, and then of course we get like the borg and whomever else all along the way much later on but um really good and like even the, like the Talaxian Ocampan thing, like with you know Neelix and Kess, just their relationship and how that like matures and develops too. Again, we're talking about first contacts, not the relationships, but it's worth mentioning. You have made an enemy of the Kazon today. <laughs> That's like the last thing you hear them say. So like not not a very good first contact, right? Some go no. some go well, some don't. Right. And this was like, this was a mixed bag, right? Because they're lost. They need a navigator. 
of sorts. They need a, a guide. And, you know, Neelix, I'm your Huckleberry, man. Let's go. Yep. <laughs> I'm, your, I'm your man. <laughs> I mean, I'm making this crap up as I go, but let's go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, hot take. Hot take time. Well, not really hot take. I just felt like saying it. Klingons. That's it. Moving on. I'm kidding. Okay. Klingons. <laughs> probably, probably, um, are they the most famous alien race from Star Trek, or would that be the Vulcans? I think it's a tie. I think it's a tie. It's a tie? It's, it's one of those two, right? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's it's right up there. You can't have it's it's the it's the freaking, um, like heads and tails, it's like neck and neck photo, neck, yeah. neck and neck photo finish. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Klingons. So it's a Klingon. <laughs> What's a Klingon? <laughs> it's a Klingon. <laughs> okay, broken. Oh, okay. I love I love Star Trek. Enterprise, and when they had the full-on, uh, like po like m- motion picture current era Klingons show up, uh, like with like their their ridges and everything, I'm like, cool, because I wasn't like well versed in the ways of Trek. I hadn't been fully baptized into Star Trek at that point. So I didn't really connect the whole, like, they're humans with a tan kind of thing like we saw in the original series. Anyway, so I really like this episode. One, because it's Enterprise, and I really like Enterprise. And I know I'm, like, probably in the minority on that one. But this is just great, and it's... We we learn about... First off, this is the thing that gets us humans off our butts and out into space and really trying to figure some crap out. Not only are we figuring crap out, but we're also like on the fly developing, essentially developing the universal translator and starting to communicate. So like, this is like the mission that is essentially getting us communicating with alien races. We're learning about cultures and customs and, you know, going and exploring the final frontier. So I love the heck out of this episode. Love the heck out of it because of those reasons. Eric. Oh yeah, I, I love this episode too. Like I mean, I love this episode. Um there's a lot of there's a lot of good things going on there. I feel like when they finally like so they're taking this one Klingon, they're like, hey, let's take him back home. And and they run into some misadventures along the way trying to bring this Klingon home. And then they they end up losing him, and they got to go find him again. And when they finally do find him, like they don't have a translator there, so like Archer and and Tucker go to rescue him on like the Sulaban Helix, and he's just like talking and yelling. He's like, and I think at one point doesn't trip turn to him and go like, I don't like the way you smell either. <laughs> I think that's from this episode because they they can't talk to each other. Right? And the Klingon is just like. Barking, barking at, <laughs> at Trip. <laughs> That's true. But then eventually, like, he realizes that, like, the Klingon realizes that they're there to help, and, like, he helps them fight their way out, and they even give him a, a weapon at one point, I think, 
and mm-hmm. like hey i understand even though i don't know who you are i know you're here to help me and and we can we can work together to get out of this situation right and then you know things don't exactly go well after that with the klingons when they drop them off back at the klingon great hall and then they say something and archer's like i hope that they said thank you and hope she's like i don't think they have a word for thank you <laughs> <laughs> So this, the name of this episode is called Broken Bow, and I've been to Broken Bow, Oklahoma, and if you've never been, um, it's about, I don't know, 10 miles south of Big of uh, Beaver's Bend, and Beaver's Bend is just like a camping outdoor nuts, like, paradise. It's, it's amazing, um, in that area. Bro- <laughs> Broken Bow does not look like what Broken Bow looks like in that episode. But then again, we're also like, you know, 300 years in the past, uh, past compared to that. So, I mean, a lot can change in 300 years, maybe. I don't know. But, um, Eric, if you ever want to go to Broken Bow, we can we can do a day trip or something. It'd be great. Yeah, meet in the middle, right? There you go. Yeah, be fine. I mean, it's like three and a half hours for me and probably like, you know, five or six for you. Yeah, almost in the middle. Yeah, almost in the middle. Anyway, well, well, well. Um, all right, this Eric, tell this one we have talked about. This was your intro, the one we're about to talk about, and that is the Gorn in Arena. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is the first episode of Star Trek I ever watched. I was watching late night reruns with my dad back in the early '90s, and and this episode came on, and and it had to have been. Uh, 1993, um, because I'd already seen Jurassic Park at the time, right? And <laughs> yeah, that show, um, that like, yeah, I'd already seen Jurassic Park at the time, and there was that the animated show. I don't know if you remember it, Dino Riders. Did you ever see that show? I remember. Anyway, it's about like you got like they go into the past and they oh no they put like machines on dinosaurs and they like use them to fight the other bad guys who put machines on the dinosaurs anyway lots of lots of great like late 80s like <laughs> cartoon fun right yeah so i was like i was big into di- i was big into dinosaurs right because like that show and then jurassic park and so when this episode came on i'm watching this with my dad and i'm like oh my god this guy's fighting a dinosaur in the desert this is cool and my dad's like that's not a dinosaur that's not a dinosaur that's an alien i was like an alien because you know i'd already seen et as well et was like my only introduction to aliens at that point so like an alien that's even cooler i think oh yeah that's that was i remember i distinctly remember this right you know we're 27 28 years later but man i remember that that's awesome did sean have the same reaction as you or not so much i i I don't remember i don't remember him being there okay (laughs) it's just so cool i was in my own my own space i was in my own space Oh man, I haven't laughed. You know, that six-year-old well kid was fascinated with dinosaurs, right? That's right. That's you right. didn't love dinosaurs when you were six years old? Oh no, I love dinosaurs. I mean, I was yeah. more obsessed with Power Rangers than I was dinosaurs, but I love me some dinosaurs. Well, they had the Power Rangers they, they Dino did. Dino Riders, right? Yeah, they had like all the mega yeah the Megazords, man. Like, 
yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to do the morphing call right now. Don't, don't worry. I won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> Whew. Whew. Okay, I'm okay. No, but, like, like it, it's a shame that, like, we never really saw the Gorn again after this. I think mm-hmm. there's, like, one episode. It's, like, but it's a Mirror Universe episode from Enterprise. And that was the only other time we ever, like, saw the Gorn. So it was, like, yeah, this was a cool, fun episode. And, like... And then it just there was no follow up. But I, I guess I understand why there was no follow up in the original series because that was like the point Gene Roddenberry is trying to make is that like you can watch the show in any order you want and you won't be confused. Mm-hmm. So I get that. But it would have been nice to have to have seen some follow up on the Gorn. Let me ask you this. Now I know I know how much esteem you hold these shows, but who do you think would handle the Gorn better? Lower decks or discovery? Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. I, I honestly I think I would rather see it on lower decks than on discovery. Just because like I can imagine the comical nature of it. Like, you know, because in this episode, Arena, like Kirk is trying to improvise a weapon to like to to fight the Gorn and like Galaxy Quest even make Galaxy Quest the movie Galaxy Quest makes a joke about this episode like these like Tim Allen is fighting some rock monster and they're like can you find anything around you to make an explosive device and I can just imagine Lower Decks doing something like that <laughs> I you know I I was thinking that Lower Decks would be better because I can just imagine, like, like knowing knowing that Discovery is supposed to be more of like a <sighs> painting with broad strokes, people. That it's supposed to be like maybe more dark and gritty, er, you know, um, of the new newly produced stuff. Um, I can just imagine the Gorn looking something like the Indominus Rex from Jurassic World, you know, Fallen Kingdom or something. Uh, like just really creepy, like nightmarish, and the Gorn don't need to look like that, in my opinion. Yeah, now I'm pro- now dude, I'm pro- dude in a rubber suit. I'm just projecting that. I'm projecting that onto, onto the shows, but I can just imagine. So, uh, I think it would be pretty cool to see the Gorn come up again, regardless of where we see them. Um, just because, I mean, they're they've got like pop culture status for crying out loud, like a freaking. Like bamboo cannon being improvised to sh- to shoot something at it. I mean, come on now. Come on. Yep. Now I I will say this like about the Gorn. With the Gorn, um, I saw. I think it was the actual suit, because they had like, all the the real production stuff, so I'm pretty sure it was the actual screen used suit, at Star Trek: The Experience. Whenever I went in 2006 and 2007 and it like it was right next to um, the the salt monster okay the okay. Uh, the from the man trap and like seeing those two like right next to each other like even though I knew that it was fake that it's a costume like I still did like a little jump take whenever I was like walking past them like it was it was creepy Salt monster is a creepy looking thing. Yeah, yeah. For sure. 
You know what else is creepy? Q. I challenge you to a cue off. Q. 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 <laughs> oh, Q. <laughs> How'd Q get over there? Oh, wait. He just beamed in and out. <laughs> he just snapped his fingers. Yeah, and there he is. Oh, man. Man. Like, listen. I, I've, I've been reading some comments on online on Facebook and Instagram today because, you know, we got this teaser trailer for um, Star Trek Picard season 2 and like Q is coming back that's like what it basically tells us and a lot of there's a lot of comments on a lot of like Q haters out there like like I'm qu quite shocked that there are Q haters out there because Q is hilarious first of all like Q is hilarious okay like come on like in that episode Deja Q, he gets the mariachi band out. That there's that like that meme, the mariachi band, and the I Picard facepalm is from that episode, right? The Picard facepalm, which is from a, a Q episode, which John Delancey pointed out in the the event during First Contact Day. Oh, did he? Yeah, he pointed okay. that out during the <laughs> panel. He's like, yeah, he's like, Patrick, there was a there was a moment when we were filming, and you you you'll remember this. And he like goes into like great detail talking about it. And he's like, and then you placed your hand on your forehead and you just kind of looked at me. And like they both just like are like started laughing at each other. And that's of course like meme gif status right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and then like Cupid obviously like is hilarious as an episode. And, but then you also get these super serious moments with Q as well, like, like Encounter at Farpoint. This is the episode where we're meeting him. Like, he puts humanity on trial for being a grievously savage race. Like, that's some heavy stuff. And then, like, Tapestry is some heavy stuff going on. And then when Q later shows up in Voyager, and there's, like, a civil war in the Q continuum some heavy stuff right there and like I, I just don't understand how people can not like Q it's such a a well-rounded character and a, I mean he's we only ever really see him we see a few others a couple of times but such a good character and for as many as few episodes as he's actually in maybe like a dozen episodes maybe across the, the three shows right maybe I think yeah. like very well-rounded and very well developed I think and lots of fun but also lots of serious moments and I, I can't imagine Star Trek without Q do you think that <clears throat> you know we, we know from from of course the teaser trailer that we we saw uh, or that you will be seeing or y'all whatever that Q is coming back right you were just saying that and that the trial never ends is part of the voiceover do you think that we're going to have, to David's detriment, some wibbly-wobbly stuff going on to where maybe the Q will join the Federation? Why would they do that? I don't know. I'm just asking. I'm asking the questions here, huh? <laughs> well, yeah, and that's... I don't... Why would they do that? Like, I, I feel like... I feel like 
Q's fascination with with human Q isn't fascinated with humanity. Q is fascinated with Picard. That's why he keeps showing up there, which is why like I really didn't like it when he showed up on Lower Decks on that one. Like, why would he show up on like some random ship for, for second contacts and talk with the Lower Decks people? It didn't make sense to me. But that's that's a, a tangent that I don't want to go down right now. Right. I think the Q are just bored. I think that was one thing that we got from the Q is that they were bored with being like, you know, immortal omnipotent beings and so like he needed to entertain himself and he was fascinated with Picard I don't think they'll join the Federation I was just trying to poke the bear no <laughs> okay <laughs> Mm-mm. Mm-mm. yeah I you can't have you can't have Star Trek without Q, um, especially like Picard and Q. Like they they have like such a bromance going on. Like I know that they didn't end up in like you know the final echelon, you know of the bracket that we did. But I mean they got one heck of a bromance, whether Picard knows it or not. Um, hey, there was that one time they were in bed together. Eric, Eric, <laughs> this is a this is a family show. <laughs> I just blew someone's speakers when I said that. By the way, <laughs> sorry. No, okay, but like, let's you know, up to this point, let let me just like make this this point, and then we'll move on. But up to this point, you know, they've. Like the first contact missions have been about like again, like I've said, shut up and listen and talk to each other. But I think this, I think with Q, what we're really getting is more more than just like sit and talk. It's actually open your yourself up to new ways of thinking and experiencing things, and 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 that might be like a, a semantic sounding thing and it's not meant to be because yes you have that whenever you sit and talk but I think it's the action it's more of an action with like the others that we've talked about as opposed to like a, a deepening of one's awareness so to speak does that make sense yeah and, and I, I think that makes perfect sense and I think the follow up on that on in all good things is when Q says, you know, yeah, you opened your mind there at the final moment and you recognize that paradox. And that's that's the true exploration, the exploration of the mind and looking inside yourself rather than your trek to trek through the stars. Mm-hmm. So and so I think we get that we get that really hammered home, that point in, in the series finale. And the fact that Picard and the crew. I mean, again, they're 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 a very nascent crew at this point. I mean, it's their first mission together, the, the Farpoint State, the Farpoint Station mission. Um, it's they're they're very very new, and they don't know each other. I mean, he knows Beverly, and that's about it, right? Yeah, like Picard is very hard on Riker in that episode, and then Riker is very skeptical of Data in that episode. 
but yet they all have to like they have to come together as a crew very quickly to be open to you know how we look at this this farpoint station and all the shenanigans that happened as a result so um and with with like random cosmic uh doohickeys like Q we also so so you and I Eric we were kind of we were in agreement on a life form but we were kind of split on the episode that we were kind of citing and that is straight out of Voyager the like photonic beings photonic life forms and I had cited heroes and demons and I forgot which one you had cited um, Bride of Chaotica there we go can you do that well, again? The, the, hey, the episode title has a, the episode title has an exclamation point at the end. Can you do it's that like, again? Bride of Chaotica. No, one more time. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Captain Proton in Bride of Chaotica. <laughs> the episode title has an exclamation point at the end. Okay. You're just as bad as my daughter, man. My, my daughter just says the same thing over and over again. I'm like, I heard you the first time. <laughs> shut up. I love you, but shut up. <sighs> okay. Well, I don't know if they're the exact same thing, but you'd be proud of me for this one. Heroes and Demons comes before Bride of Chaotica. I know that much. Using my knower on that one. Well yep. done. Mm -hmm. So that's where I was coming from um, with the photonic beings and life forms and stuff, because like it's it's the it's the mission that we have to rely on the doctor to to take care of things and heroes and demons at least. The doctor's first away mission. Mm-hmm. To the holodeck, where he's got to figure out what's what's up, man, and. Um, he's got to fight Grendel. Yep, it's uh, it's set up against a Beowulf. This, this is this is a side note. Like I really hate the story Beowulf. Like I I'm not a fan of it. Like okay. I, like my joke is that Beowulf is such a bad story that no one wanted to take credit for writing it. <laughs> okay, so since we're since you brought up Beowulf officially. Um, so Steve Cowden and I, we, uh, worked, um, at summer camp together in 2007, I believe. Yeah. 2007. And I remember when, when video rental places were still a thing, I rented Beowulf on DVD from the Kalkaska. I think it was Blockbuster or something like that, or, or Traverse City Blockbuster. I don't know what it was. And we watched it in our in our treehouse. Like we, we were bunk mates, so we sh we watched it in our in our treehouse. And and I never got it back on time, so I had like a crazy late fee because you were only allowed to leave camp like once a week. So like it was a crazy late fee. So I probably shouldn't have done that, but yeah, Beowulf. And of course, like I'd heard about like other assorted mythologies from like Stargate SG one. So it led to Steve and I talking about Stargate. Anyways, I'm getting way off topic and we don't have much time. Like we are moving like at a snail's pace. 
No, we're good. But I think I think this was good too. Like, not only did we not like with with Heroes and Demons, and you can talk about Bride of Chaotic Bride of Chaotica here in a second. <laughs> but with this, like, we couldn't rely on ourselves. We had to rely on someone different. We had to rely on someone that had different access to things, different abilities than our, ourselves to be able to take care of the problem for the good of the many. And um, I just, I think this is a fun episode. Like regardless of if you like Beowulf or not, I think it's a, just a fun episode. And it's one of the more memorable ones for me, like from like the main like tent pole ones that we know of, of course. So like this is one that I do actually enjoy watching over and over again of of the Voyager episodes. Sure. And then if, if you think like um, both episodes, the doctor is the the person that the, the crew has to send to somehow save the day, right? Because if you in Bride of Chaotica, the the photonic beings come in through some rift, fissure, whatever that happens, and they go onto the holodeck. And they have to fight. Um, oh, what's his name? He's the knockoff of Ming the Merciless, right? What's I forget his name. Oh my god. He's got his his death ray or his photonic cannon or whatever. Any I forget his name. Oh my god. Um, anyway, anyway. So these photonic beings come through, and they think the holodeck is like is real. And at one point, they're scanning like Tom Paris or somebody like. You're not a you're not a life form, and so we're, we're like in this position where these two sides they view life and they think of life as so different from each other, right? And so we don't think of the doctor as a life form, do we? I mean, maybe we do, maybe we don't, but we don't think of the 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 people on the holodeck as being life forms. But what happens when the people on the life forms don't view on the holodeck don't view us as life forms, and how do mm-hmm. we have to bridge that gap and try to to figure out a way to work together which is pretty similar to um like the the picard moriarty storyline that we see in next gen too i mean like you are not real you are a hologram and picard has to ultimately trick moriarty into thinking that he actually is walking off the holodeck when in fact it's just an extension of the holodeck of a holodeck program so yeah, it's 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 a fascinating study in turn like metaphysics and other big two, three, four dollar words that I don't wanna say. Hey, hey, I gonna I'm just gonna say something right now. Say it. I feel like an idiot because I I couldn't remember the guy who's a knockoff of Ming the Merciless. It's Chaotica. <laughs> like <laughs> Like what the <laughs> What an idiot am I? <laughs> the episode is called Bride of Chaotica, and he is Dr. Chaotica. <laughs> or just Chaotica. Wow. <laughs> I'm smart. I didn't go to freaking evil medical school just to be called Mr. Eric, what was what was his name? <laughs> Chaotica. Okay. All right, you ready to talk about? You know, the- he's the he's he's the Ming the Merciless knockoff, right? From Flash Gordon. 
Yeah. Are you ready to talk about the best episode of Star of all of Star Trek? Uh, yes, I absolutely am. Okay, we're gonna talk about the episode "Move Along Home" from Deep Space Nine. Yes. The the Wadi. The Wadi. Yep. <laughs> I listen. That was. I this love was, the setup of this episode. Like, shoots, I, let's shoots talk about and the ladders. setup of this episode. Freaking shoots no, no. and ladders. Before, man. before we, before, before we even get to that point, let's just okay. talk about the setup. We are finally going to make first contact with the first alien race from the other side of the wormhole, and Cisco and his staff get all dressed up in their dress uniforms, and Cisco is ready to like give them the grand tour and show them around and and put a good foot foot forward for the federation and the wadi come through the wormhole and they come onto the station and cisco's got his whole speech and he's like and the wadi guy's like show us the games show us the games take us to quarks and you see the look on cisco's face he's like what (laughs) i just love that and then you can see him they're playing the game and he's just Cisco's sitting over there in the corner. He's got his head in his hand. He's like, I don't care what the regulations are. I'm going to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Pick me up if anything happens. (laughs) It's like we're all prepared for this great diplomatic moment where we're going to, you know, do the official thing in our dress uniforms. And nope, take us, show us the games. Take us to Quarks. Right. And to your and like you were saying, you know this this is first contact on Deep Space Nine, right? I mean, yeah, there's like other folks that we've never met, but like this is the actual an actual first contact mission that's taking place on the station with Gamma Quadrant folks. So sweet. And this is one of those that we were kind of teasing that is a first contact mission that kind of goes sideways. Like by sideways, I mean like shoots and ladders kind of sideways. It's it's pretty jacked up. And Quark is the one that's left having to kind of overcome the situation. And yeah, I don't know if I'd want to have first contact if if I was gonna end up being a board game piece. Like it was like this was like like really like sinister. Like in a very lighthearted kind of way, like Oh, you're never in trouble. Hey, what you talking about? Did you not watch the episode? Did you not watch the episode? Yeah, he's the guy said that they were never really in trouble. I mean, you know. I don't would you, believe Would him. you trust Quark? Would you trust Quark to save you? No. I don't think I would either. <laughs> no, not unless like, there was enough gold. Trust me, trust me. It, the, the big the, we have to take the big risk here because I, I I'm I'm the gambler. Big risk, big payoff. Hmm. But let's play hopscotch. Ella Moraine, count to three. Ella Moraine. <laughs> so that episode is actually Listen, like I mean, it's it's grown on me, man. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure it has a terrible rating on IMDb, but like, if only there know, was a way we could find out. I'm sh- listen. It's is it a great episode? No, but do you remember it? Yes. Yes, you do. And and you know, some episodes are like, oh, remember that episode where they did that one thing, like. I can't really remember it completely, but do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. Do you know what the name of that is? And you're like, yeah, I kind of remember they when they did that one thing. And yeah, what when, when was that? What was that episode called? Like, everyone knows the name of this episode, right? Oh, wasn't that episode where they played hop, hopscotch? Move along home. Everyone, everyone knows it, right? Instantly. So, you know, it's memorable. 5.9 on IMDb, by the way. 5.9, okay. 5.9. Yeah. 25% of the vote I mean, gave that, it a, a 6. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. 6. 6-ish, right? That's it's fair. Not, it's not all 10, it's not all 1, so I mean, it's got to count for something. Okay, well, yeah. Did anybody actually rate that episode a 10? Uh, 156 people did. Which comprised 8.6% of the ratings. Uh, um, I would love to know. I would love to know what those people are thinking. Well, I would say, <laughs> but this is a family show. And I, I, I can't and I won't. <laughs> but yeah, there were there was over, eight, over 1,800 people that uh, rated this. And um, almost... Well... Yeah, 460 of the 1,800 gave it a 6. So there you go. Okay. But I'd be interested to see what happens, like, with the Wadi. Like, if we ever, like, have any, like, missions to go do anything with them. Anyway. So... I talked this next episode. I, I actually guessed it on someone else's podcast, and we talked about this episode uh, several months back. And um, whenever I, I put this on the list, you were like, "Well, that's just those are just humans," and I'm like, "I have a reason that it's on there," and you probably know the reason because you're a very astute person and you've seen all of Star Trek a gajillion times, but the. The people and the episode I'm talking about specifically are the Novans in um, the episode Terra Nova on Star Trek Enterprise. And it's either episode five or six, depending on where you're watching it, of um, on, on like whatever streaming service or whatever. So we find out that in this particular episode that there was like essentially a colony, like a ship that was sent off for like early space exploration essentially and that we lost contact with them once upon a time oh and by the way we have a warp capable ship so let's reestablish contact and see what's up see how our folks are doing and we get there and they're like wearing like some weird stuff like weird paint they've become like their own society which was kind of to be expected but not in the way that it, it was. And 
as we're trying to check check in on them, there's this conflict that happens, and we finally connect that the Novans are actually humans. And Archer at one point during the episode, Captain Archer at one point says to the effect, if I can't make first contact with humans, then I have no reason for even being out here to try and make first contact with anyone else. So I think even though it's like a training wheels kind of thing for the most part, um, in terms of like making first contact with humans, I think it's equally as important to even if you look the same, so to speak, to look past your sameness and seek to understand. Again, going back to the importance of first contact. I, I think I think this is a really good start in my opinion, of the importance of first contact missions, even if this is, again, just a, a training wheels type of exercise. No, I, I, I didn't even remember that quote from Archer, but I think that is 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 really poignant where he says, if I can't make first contact with humans, what business do I have out here? And I think that's that's really interesting, and I'm shocked, surprised that I, I don't remember that, but yeah. I think that's that's very interesting. I think Archer has a lot of a lot of good moments like that where he says like, "Until we come up with a set of rules for what I can and cannot do out here, I just have to trust my own gut and my own conscience." You know, like I don't have I don't have the rules of the Federation. I don't have a prime directive. I don't have these things I'm supposed to follow. I'm just making it up as I go. And, and yeah. I think Archer has a lot of those moments. Which I did think about putting Dear Doctor on the list, by the way which is where that prime directive kind of speech kind of came from. But that's more prime directive than it is first contact. But it still kind of intertwines. So, but I, I, I think I think the Novans episode, like Terra Nova, it's, it's a weird episode, but I think it's a really good, really poignant one. So let's, let's keep on trucking. Um, uh, we still have like a lot to cover. Um, so the next one up we have is the Horta devil in the dark yeah and 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 at the beginning of this episode i said there were you said there were two episodes that i was gonna fight you for and i was like we did the core my maneuver up first and this was the other episode i was going to fight for like <clears throat> there's no way you can do a list of first contacts without this episode as far as i'm concerned this mm-hmm. is this is again star trek at its finest at its pure core what is star trek about and it's it's also a different type of first contact because you know how do you communicate with a big silicon blob right i mean i mean you know we think of our life as being carbon based and we're all essentially humanoids but this is this is an alien that's not a humanoid at all it's not carbon based he's a big silicon blob that like eventually Spock has to mind meld with. Right. And and I, I just I just I love that it's got that classic um Star Trek situation of everything is not what it appears at the beginning, right? It appears that hey this is just some monster attacking attacking our mining operation. But then you learn it's not a monster. It's just a creature and it's like 
being a parent protecting its children that it thinks you stole from it these little silicon not nodules that people they right. just think they're little cool things right and so i think it's got that classic misunderstanding that we have to we have to try and figure out and you know spock does that by mind melding with it and and, and then again i love that at the point where like kirk kirk brings bones down. he's like bones there's your patient go work on it and he's like damn it jim i'm a doctor not a bricklayer <laughs> <laughs> and then and then bones calls up to the ship he's like i need like some putty thing or whatever and then he's like don't ask me why i need it just send it down to me damn it <laughs> and he like he like spackles up the the horta creature like, with his like little spackle putty <laughs> and and this you know, and then and then at and then at the end hold on at the end we come to an agreement like the horta is gonna do the digging right and save save us humans time and effort on doing the digging and getting to the whatever the mineral is i forget the name there's mm-hmm. some mineral on this planet that we're trying to mine and so like the horta is going to get do the digging for us and get there so long as we like give it space and give it freedom and so like even though it's so vastly different of a life of a life form we still figure out a way that we can work together to benefit the both of us and that's just star trek at its core absolutely and i think the even though it might we don't really know at least i don't think we know that if it is or is not carbon but I mean, we have, like, the rocks, right? I mean, like, we have this rock thing, this digger thing, and that we have to communicate with. But then another example that I think is kind of similar is what I was alluding to is the probe in Voyage Home, you know, the one with the whales. And we think that, I mean, Spock points it out, I'm pretty sure, that... You know, it would be foolish. It would be, um, what's he say? Anyways, it would be dumb to think that all intelligent life is just human instead of like, you know, maritime type creatures. And the fact that we have to rely on whales in that one to save our planet, that we have to partner with something that's different from us, I think is great. Like that we see it, you know, with this, the Horta, and then of course the probe. So we'll keep on we'll keep on trucking. But that's yeah, a, it's a, that's a great episode. Great episode. All right. One that has been um, that is very poignant for the the time that we're in, the even the time that we were in when this particular episode came out is uh, the Janai, the episode The Outcast which um, Jonathan Frakes actually wanted, was trying to actually push the envelope more and more with this particular episode, but I think studio execs were like, I don't know, bro. I don't know if we can do that type of thing. Um, so this is more of a an androgynous type of race um, that... And, the, and the, I was actually reading about this and, and watching some commentary on this um, earlier today. 
that this was essentially a critique of um, conversion therapy, of of trying to air quotes y'all can't pray see the it. gay away, pray yeah. the gay away or something. Yeah, to fix it, to fix what's broke, air quotes, type of thing. So, mm-hmm. um, I think this is a great episode, um, and I think it connects well to like I mean you said this too like we were talking about this over the weekend that this connects well to where we're at right now especially with what we've been seeing in uh, season 3 of Star Trek Discovery and just trying to respect other people's viewpoints not necessarily having to be okay with it but needing to that didn't come out did that come out right yeah like you don't have to like what they do, but you should respect who they are. That's what I'm trying to say. I think. Yeah, like, um, yeah. Um, I'm I'm actually shocked by the low rating of this up. Ep- this episode has a 6.8 rating on IMDb, which is quite shocking to me that it's that low. Um, I I would rate it much higher than 6.8, but yeah. Um. I mean, sci-fi has done androgynous races before. I think, I think most famously, Ursula Le Guin's book, *The Left Hand of Darkness*, is like the ultimate, um, you know, androgynous race in science fiction. But, but I think, I think it's it's very well done here. Um, I think this this episode, you know, does the, the transgender and non-binary better than the entire season three of *Discovery*, as far as I'm concerned. Like. I have I have issues with with both Adira and Gray. My issues with Adira and Gray have nothing to do with the fact they're they're transgender or non-binary. I think please don't let anyone think that. But I mean, I think this episode, I think whoever the guest star is who, who played this main role here did a fantastic job. And and I I think it's handled very well and and yeah, like the conversion therapy at the end. I mean, how how you know she's fixed i'm doing the air quotes again this person is fixed at the end right and and she's basically been brainwashed to to toe the party line or so to speak right and that's the thing too like i'll i'll, I'll bring this up for anyone that might have um watched the orville um I, I, eric i don't know if you have or not so just take this with a grain of salt i guess um, but there's the Mocklins in um, the Orville. They're all male. They're all male. And it's, it's considered an error for there to be female. So if you're born female, you have to get corrected. You have to have corrective surgery so that you're not wrong, air quotes. So, I mean, you can look at, I mean, people consider the Orville Star Trek. I know it's not, but like if you look at the Orville and you look at this particular episode, there's like the a very similar commentary um, and some overlap with the two, like you know that your air quotes wrong for not being a certain way or for being a certain way, and yeah. Anyway, it's and and yeah. Oh, and I would say I think this again fits in that classic Star Trek mold of how, it, you know, humanity is supposedly perfect. I'll put air quotes on perfect as well, but like how we use alien cultures and alien societies to make a critique on our own world in a way that, 
you know, you can't do in a non-science fiction setting. And I think that's what Star Trek does well. Mm-hmm. So um, we are getting kind of close to the halfway part, halfway mark of, <laughs> of our list. How about that? All right, everyone. I hope you've enjoyed the uh, first part of our First Contacts episode uh, for the podcast. Now, uh, we've gone through the first, I think it's like 11, 12, 13, uh, some odd uh, First Contact missions that uh, Commander Eric and I had come up with. So make sure you tune back in for part two of uh, First Contacts uh, coming coming up here in just a few short days. Now, of course, if you're listening to this in the future, then you can just press play. So congratulations. Uh, apart from that, thank you so much for listening. And as always, remember to boldly go and make it so.